The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by Eno, the Capital One Assistant. What's in your wallet? We got Adrian Wojnarowski in studio. The Rosilla Show, Will Cain, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Pick from a range of coverage options with the Name Your Price tool and find a price that works for you. The latest on the Tennessee Vols head coaching situation. We know yesterday the story was uh, just just a disaster all the way around, but there could be a new development here, so we'll let you know what's going on with that. But let's start with something that happened right after we got off the air yesterday. That's David Fisdale out as head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Everybody seems to love Fisdale, but how did it end up going from this thing where everybody thought it was a perfect fit, him now out of a job less than 20 games in? Well, the relationship between Fizz and Marcus Saul started to deteriorate almost at this time last year, maybe early December, maybe a little bit later than now, where um, just styles approaches, personality, uh, the way they were going to play. I, I think Mark is still very married to the grit and grind and what they were and what they've been uh, in Memphis. And the league is changing. And, you know, Memphis is in a tough spot. Coaching that team is tough because your best player is Marcus Saul, who's been playing a certain way, but the league and the style of play is different. It's faster. It's, 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 uh, um, and so for them it was um, – uh, it started then, but I think the winning camouflaged a lot of it last year. They had a pretty successful year, 43 wins. They played the Spurs very well in the first round of the playoffs, got to six games. And then this year, start off, beat Golden State, beat the Rockets twice, right? Beat the Rockets Yeah, twice. they had a really weird start where everybody was yeah. playing well. And then when the losing streak started and Mike Connolly went out and you know there were injuries and certainly a lack of quality depth in Memphis, you know that starts to expose... Um, the disconnect, and then you saw it all come to a head Sunday night. Why now? Why this week? You know, I think eight straight losses. I think the organization, I think, had tried with both Fizz and Marcus Saul. I think there were lots of people who tried to find ways to get them on um, connected better and uh, didn't happen. And listen, when Fizz made that decision on Sunday night to bench Gasol in the fourth quarter, Fizz is smart. He's a smart guy. He knows that player. He knows the dynamic in that organization. He knows everything that led up to it. And I think it wasn't an accident. I, I think it had come to a head. And I think, I think the organization felt like they had to make a choice that they couldn't go forward. And now Fizz getting out yesterday with his record, you know, you look at his body of work in a short time as a head coach, what we talked about last season, um, you know, he they're at eight straight losses. That thing was headed to be 12 straight, 14 straight, especially with Conley out, with Gasol not playing well and, and not, I don't know you could, how you want to measure whether he was even playing hard for him at the end. So um, if you're David Fisdale, you sort of walk out the door with your um, still hireable as a head coach. You didn't take too many lumps there and – you know, he may be set up to be able to get an op- another opportunity sooner than later. Last night, the Clippers beat the Lakers, but they lose Blake Griffin, who had a pretty good night throughout. Uh, but we don't really know his status. This Clippers team can't stay healthy. So what do we make of them right now as we await the Blake stuff? They have tough decisions to make going forward. And I think they've got a really difficult decision on DeAndre Jordan. He'll be a free agent this summer. Um, uh, you know, he's, you know, could he be traded? Or is no one going to give you anything because he's going to be a free agent? 
No, I think if you're a team, there's a call out there. There's um, for a, there are teams who need a rim protector. You know, Boston has searched for one in different forms. Not all as elite as DeAndre Jordan, but their tentacles are out um, on guys who can come in and um, do that for them. Uh, and so, no, there's interest in Jordan. There will be. And so if you're a team, you can trade for him. You have his bird rights. You can re-sign him. You know, uh, there will be interest. And so what the Clippers have to measure is what do we have for assets that we can get anything for? And he's it. I mean, he's really the player they can get something for. Um, and that will be a decision for them to make. Like, they'll get offers. People are going to call. And they have to measure what they can possibly get versus maybe re-signing them. And then once you've got them under contract, Next year, then maybe you look at, okay, we have them under contract, and that makes them easier to trade too. But there's a reshaping that has to go on there with that roster. They can't go forward this way, and they know that. That's why they've restructured that front office. Lawrence Frank, Mike Winger coming in from Oklahoma City. Um, they put a huge premium on scouting, uh, trying to draft better than they have, have better processes in place. They've, they've really built up that whole infrastructure and and that's a focus for them now. They're they're going to try to do business differently. I know Ryan wants to get to the Cavs and how they're playing better recently, but let me just ask you this quickly, talking about what's going to happen with DeAndre Jordan. What's the 76ers' plan with Jalil Okafor? Trade him? Buy him out? Because playing him doesn't seem to be part of the future. No, and that's they, they've been talking with teams in different trade scenarios. Uh, you know, I wrote about this um, Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, talking to Jalil and Brian Colangelo, his agent, Bill Duffy, and you know, they would like a buyout too, which would allow him to get out and uh, pick the team he goes to. But Philly is pretty determined. Brian Colangelo is pretty determined um, to find a trade here. And so I think there's an urgency there to try to find something. Uh, you know, I know there's been conversations ongoing here over the weekend, today, yesterday. And so um, I think Philly is sensitive to the fact that they don't want this to go on. It's a it is a distraction. It's it's a conversation that's not really about the team and winning. That I think they'd like to go away, and I think they'd like to do the right thing for Okafor because they felt like they feel like he's been a pro. And I think one way or another, we'll see something in the near future. Adrian Wojnarowski here on the Rosillo Show and Will Kane. Okay, if you look at Cleveland last night, watching that game, and I understand they're still in the bottom five defensively, which is an improvement, but. I thought they played really well against the Sixers team, and Simmons left at some point. But what is different about the Cavs now from a team in the beginning of the year where you're like, what is wrong with them? I mean, is they've won eight straight here. Well, I just think effort. I mean, I think just physically uh, you're seeing guys put out more. And, uh, um, you know, LeBron getting in. Like I said, LeBron getting in better shape. LeBron, you know, had a short training camp, um, and he's just been dominant. You've seen him back to um, – you know, a uh, real dominant level. One thing here, Clippers, Blake Griffin, no structural damage on that left knee. It's a sprained MCL, and recovery on that, now I'm told, is uh, two months. So uh, you can expect any upwards of, you know, upwards of two months now uh, on getting him back uh, with the Clippers. So um, that takes him, you know, through uh, – you know, you imagine six to eight weeks now with Blake. So we're going end of January. Yeah, this is you know they had gotten back to eight and eleven. Um, were they a playoff team? 
Probably not. But now, you know, that that's a very, very different team who now is really shopping for lottery. You just got that, right? That's yeah, hot off the just, presses. Just reported it, yeah. Okay, so again, Blake now, no structural damage, you're reporting. Yeah. But uh, timetable. Sprain, yeah, sprained MCL in that left knee, and uh, timetable is potentially up to two months recovery on that. All right, I'm sure you'll be headed back over to Sports Center at some point yeah, with that. Yeah, All right. But we got, we'll keep going. No, we're, we're <laughs> um, it's always good, man. Once a week, we really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. I All appreciate right. it. All right. That's what coming up here. We have Lane Kiffin. There was a sign about Lane Kiffin that I never, ever thought I would. I mean, if you want to talk about impossible signs, there'd be no thing more unpredictable than something that just happened in the last 24 hours regarding Lane Kiffin, Tennessee, all of those updates. Coming up next, Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it, a guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes. And he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With Geico, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with Geico. It's almost better than sports. Yesterday, we spent the entire day basically telling Tennessee fans, you just didn't want Greg Schiano. They didn't, they didn't take kindly to that. Uh, no, 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 that's that's not the case. So, you know what, look, you, you got beat up a little bit yesterday by the national media, by all the big boys, and today we've already sort of moved on because we're just doing, hey, what's up with Van Gundy? Because Jeff Van Gundy's not going to coach there. You're not getting him. Mike Gundy is the guy. That's what it's looking like, man. All right, it's looking like that's the guy that I had heard was in play before but now is this new news? Is this new news that they're talking and that they're talking today, or is it new news that they had already talked? No, that he's headed to Knoxville to meet face-to-face with right. Tennessee today. So that must mean, I wonder what kind of raise he gets from what the offer would have been before the Shiano debacle compared to the offer that he'll get post-Shiano debacle. Oh, that's interesting. There's got to be a bump there. Hey, is it worth pointing out that for both of us, Oklahoma State was in our English Premier League Top 20 programs. And Tennessee is not. Now, it's Tennessee. There's more prestige than Oklahoma State. It's Tennessee. They've got title. Title. But it's Oklahoma State has been a better program the last it's 10 years. It's been a lot better. And you can say, okay, that's because of Mike Gundy. Now he goes to Tennessee and he can make that happen at Tennessee. But I'm just, I don't think it is a laydown that it's a trade up for Mike Gundy. Tennessee is the better program historically. Oklahoma State's his alma mater, he's been there 18 years. He's been head coach for 13 years. I don't know. Maybe you can't win a title at Oklahoma State. Maybe you'll ne- because you'll never win a debate. 
In order to win a title, you almost always have to win a debate at some point. Maybe you never do at Oklahoma State. I would see him being happy at Oklahoma State because he can go 6-6 six, six back, 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 back years. Like, no one's ever going to freak out about it. Oh, he could be at Oklahoma State for a long for time. For a long time. Okay, he's one of them. That's, the, that's rule number one about Fight Club, right? It's not, you know, when it comes to college football, what's rule number one? Be one of us. I remember, and Monty Toomer, who's listened to the show from time to time, like he was up here working with us for a bit, and it was back when they had Rich Rodriguez, and they were going through the whole thing, and all the Michigan people hated him. And I go, would you rather go 10-2 and two with like an outsider or 7-5 and five with a Michigan man? He goes, 7-5. and five. And then he saw me like two weeks later. was like, you jerk. I go, well, dude, you said it. And I go, I repeated it because it sounded insane to me. So, all right, Gundy, one of them in Stillwater, okay? Right. It's all worked out. He apparently has this dude festival ranch out there that's just, he's finally finished this compound. Uh, but it does seem odd that maybe he feels like this is the best I can do. It's not ever going to get any better. I've, I've tried my best. Like, maybe if I get into Tennessee, it's a little bit better. Uh, maybe he looks at it as more prestigious. But Oklahoma State's been the better of the two here. And I never know what to believe. I never know if I truly believe that he is anti the establishment in Oklahoma State and wants to move on or if this is just a play to get the thing to bump up. But the fact that you're saying now they're going to meet face-to-face, that's the most recent report? That's from ESPN's Chris Lowe. Okay. Well, that's that makes it real. How about this for not being real? Because I can't believe it is real. The Rock that was painted this weekend once the Shiano hiring was announced that it said on The Rock, Greg Shiano helped cover up child rape. Well, they've changed that rock a bunch of different times now. And I believe late last night or early this morning, you woke up to bring Lane home. Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. Bring Lane home. If you would think about his exit from this campus. (laughs) Okay. There's so many things that are funny about that if you think about it. Bring him home. When they needed a police escort to get the hell out of that town as he left them for USC. That at some point within the next decade, they would be painting Bring Lane Home. Like, no way. I Give me something else that's less likely than that in sports, and I can't come up with an answer. If Tennessee, let's say that Mike Gundy doesn't work out, just for a moment. If Tennessee brings Lane home, that will be the most... Active 48 hours of beclowning yourself from a fan base in the history of college football. In that time frame, you've used loose accusations of association with child rape to run off a coach that you didn't want to have. And then asked Lane Kiffin, who's treated you as their side piece, to move back into the house. And the side piece is pumped. Please come back. Bring Lane home. And at this point, admit it, Tennessee Students, and I get it. Like when you're a kid, you want to just be involved. You're not even sure what the cause is, but you guys, you guys got hats. I'm in. <laughs> and with this rock, you're just trying to figure out new stuff to paint on it. I mean that that's it. That's the that's the only thing you're doing here, right? It's not because that rock that's embarrassing. But whoever painted it just went, okay, it's my turn. All right, we're gonna start over with white canvas. Tennessee Vol Orange, bring Lane home. Apparently, uh, an update to the story that Will Kane just told you about here on the Rosillo Show. Tennessee AD John Curry and Gundy met for several hours earlier Tuesday in Dallas. Okay, so they met face-to-face in Dallas. 
Tennessee officials aren't sure if Gundy will make a decision quickly or wait a day to decide his coaching future. Sources told ESPN that Tennessee is prepared to make Gundy one of the highest-paid coaches in the SEC if he takes the job. Hall of Famer Peyton Manning, who played at Tennessee, talked with Gundy by phone last week to pitch him the job. So we knew that they'd already talked, but now that they've gotten a plane to go fly to him, and if you're Gundy, you can name your price. Absolutely. David Cutcliffe took his name out of running just in the past 24 hours. Duke coach. Tennessee guy, right? Took his name out of the running. Mike Gundy has all the leverage. Where's the leverage? With Mike Gundy. What will be his price? What if you cross off on this rock the lane part and just put bring Gundy home? Don't you have to be from there? Don't you have to be there more than a year for some bring lane home? You know where his home is? Manhattan Beach. <laughs> Although I think he sold this house to Vince Vaughn. So he probably doesn't have that house anymore. Man, you do have to have. I mean, you went from the moral high horse to no self-respect. And okay, what what if you what if you brought Lane home? Like say Gundy says no. What Gundy goes, "Hey, I used you. I used you for cash. You guys gave me a sick offer. I got some more guaranteed money here, but we're putting in a waterfall on the compound here." In Oklahoma. What if Tennessee brought Lane home and the Bryles kid is on the staff? Would they be painting the rock? Going, we can't have Baylor on this campus? What do you think? It would say party time, Lane train. <laughs> That's what the rock would say. Hey, right here, Mike Gunny makes 4.2 million a year at Oklahoma State. There's, there's, I've seen numbers out there saying it could be doubled in Tennessee. Doubled? Come on, dude. You got to pay eight. I'm looking point. at it right now. I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. These college football <laughs> coaching contracts, and I'm not knocking them for the hustle of what their business is, but they are, they are not contracts. They are scheduled payments until further notice. Did you see the buyouts for a lot of these guys in the past week? All these guys that have been fired, how much they're getting? walking away money? Yeah, like people go, okay, now all the money is involved. The pressure has been cranked up. Revenue's up. Revenue's up. Okay, salaries are up. Arms race, but way more pressure. And the coaches are going, yeah, way more pressure. I make way more money now, and I get fired. I get to keep it all. Go, how, how much quicker are you being fired now? Four years instead of five? It's not like... And you're walking away with $10 million. Yeah, In 2005, guys didn't just could lose for five years in a row because the salaries weren't what they are now. They're still getting fired. Yeah. Josina Anderson on Two Chains next ESPN Radio. Nobody's gonna stop me. No nothing is beyond me. I'm coming at you faster. No stopping what matters. Now that Human Resources VP Meg Ward has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's totally owning it at work. She even has her own hype song. I'm gonna blow it up now. My workforce is really diverse. You know, different hours, different skill sets, different pay grades. We're motivating and engaging the right people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger.
Okay, we have big breaking news in the NFL. This is uh, not a joke, not a drill. Up on the New York Giants page, here with Will Kane, the Russell Show on ESPN Radio, uh, reports that Geno Smith is going to start at quarterback on Sunday, so therefore Eli Manning benched after 200-plus consecutive starts, 210 regular season games that Manning has started. And perfect timing because we have Josina Anderson. We had her scheduled to talk about a bunch of stuff. But this is – I know they're bad, Josina, but this is a – Big deal, and I think it's an even bigger deal or an oddity here if Eli's healthy that he's being benched for Geno. Well, it's a big deal because it's Eli Manning and what he's accomplished for this organization, how long he's been starting, how durable he's been, you know, the lore, the legacy, everything that goes with Eli Manning. So it's startling because that's all you typically have seen at that position. However, (laughs) however, when you look at where the Giants are right now at 2-9, and Yeah. And when you look at how they are honestly playing from that position, we are a long ways away from Eli Manning in his Super Bowl days. And that's just being real. And it, you know what? It has taken a long time, I think, for um, some in the media, Giants fans, to even really be honest about the play that they're getting from the position. Um, when I've talked to sources, sometimes you hear things behind the scenes like, Things almost have to be perfect at this point for him to really be at the top of his game. One of the things that you were hearing at the beginning of the season, oh, the offensive line play. You know, the general manager didn't get enough pieces along the offensive line. You know, but then you look at teams like the Packers. Mm -hmm. You look at teams like the Seahawks. And what does Russell Wilson do? He runs around it. So what it does is it illuminates you know, the rushing ability or lack thereof of Eli Manning at this point in his career to escape the pressure, which is something you really need to do in the NFL right now. And it is hurting the offense. And that's why you did have guys like Odell Sterling, Victor Cruz getting frustrated last year because. Well, Victor gets, I think, frustrated every week. Why? Why do you say that? Because Victor's always complaining about not getting enough touches. I mean, come on. What? Where, where did that come from? Victor, are you listening to this? Where did that come from? Wait a minute. You think this is – well, I mean, I'm, I'm distracting us from what yes. is the main topic. But I, I uh-huh. just I, I feel like Victor, like he misses a ton of time. He comes back and he's like, where are my touches? And you're like, well, dude, you've been missing like two years. Okay. Um, you, you do not get like in, it. Get in. Get in. <laughs> I'm like, well, it, uh, well, you know, that is a, a side topic. It is. It but, is. I'm I mean, sorry. but here's the point, that you have that caliber – of talent at the wide receiver position and the ball was not making it down the field for 20 plus, you know, yard type passes. And that just cannot happen when you have the best player arguably in the NFL and some of the best surrounding pieces at that position on your team. Not Victor Cruz. We're talking about Odell here. We're talking about Odell. Yes. (laughs) We are talking about Odell. Will. Here's Ben McAdoo. This is not the way it should be, but unfortunately, this is where we are. Our number one priority every week is to go win a game, but we owe it to the organization to get an evaluation of everybody on the roster, and that includes the quarterback position. I think this is a massive deal. I think you can ask the question, has Eli Manning now started his last game for the New York Giants? He's under contract next year. He has $22 million on the books for the New York Giants next year. But what's clear is Mm -hmm. they're looking at a future beyond Eli Manning, which surprisingly to me includes Geno Smith. Geno, Uh you could not guess is their quarterback of the future, but they're going to devote time and snaps to him starting. Taking a look at Davis Webb to see what you got, that would be one thing. Drafting a quarterback in the first round this offseason, that's another thing. But starting Geno to see what you've got in Geno, I have to say that's pretty surprising. 
Okay. Well, first of all, we have to remember that Gino's evaluation was cut off by what happened with him, just even going back to his Jets uh, days with IK and Ampali, right? And That's the guy I, that punched and that was catfished right. by somebody twice. Yes, the catfish yeah, stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we really haven't had My a fair assessment of Geno Smith. Now, yes, he's been in the league for a little bit, and, and I get that. But when you really look at the sample size of how much he's played, particularly for the Jets organization, are you really thinking about his time with the Jets? Or Because clearly you can't be thinking that he's had that evaluation with New York, right? I think that it's pretty clear there's less mystery in what the top end, what the potential, what Geno Smith's future looks like. I'm not saying it's been fair every step of the way. I'm not saying Geno gets a fair shake every step of his career, but rarely does anyone get that stuff. I'm saying that there's more mystery about who's Davis Webb. What did we get when we drafted Davis Webb? Not for the Giants organization, though. Maybe for the Jets. Not for the Giants organization. So, well, they're going to look at that Jets tape, though, right? But they, that, how long ago was that? This is this is Geno now with a Giants uh, uniform playing for them. And one of the things that has been hampering this Giants offense is not having the mobility from that position. I mean, when you are going up against alpha defenses in the NFL that come at you, the Minnesota Vikings, the Seahawks, or what have you, you got to be able to escape that pressure. Last year, Eli Manning, I think, had. 11 total rushing yards total. That's not that's not going to make That may be just in, in the end <laughs> maybe maybe Gino has a brighter future in the league than I'm than I'm seeing right mm-hmm. now. Um but I still just can't move past the fact. We all saw Eli's career as a giant coming to an end. I just didn't see it now. I guess this is what Well, can I point well, out well, the well, obvious yeah, thing? Yeah, here? Ahead, the, yeah. Is it maybe because they want to make sure they only have two wins? Okay? Mm-hmm. Is this their way of tanking? The rest of the season going, if we're already ready, like this is a sign they're ready to move off of Eli. With Eli having guaranteed money for just one more year, they can trade him. They can trade him to another team that goes, you know what? Jacksonville may say he's steadier for us than Bortles is, so there's your transaction there. And that they're making sure they end up at 2-14 and 14, and they're going to be in play for one of the quarterbacks if it's if it's two of the three coming out. No. Whoa. And I think if that was the case, they would have gone straight to Davis. And part of the reason why I say that is because I do think actually in putting Geno Smith in there, it is still a signal of hope. You know, you still have, listen, when you think about some of the characters in that locker room from, you know, Janoris, from uh, Landon Collins, uh, from Damon Harrison, Mm -hmm. okay, some of these stout veterans or somewhat intermediate, you know, to longer time veterans, you still want to signal that uh, we're playing hard um, and we're still going to try our best. I think that that's important in this locker room and what's going on with some of the things that happened over the last two or three weeks. If they were signaling that automatically, they would have just gone to to Davis. So I, I I don't think that that's the case. And trust me, I would say if I if I thought that, and I don't I don't think that that's the so case. So you see this strictly as a team evaluation of Eli Manning's inability to play. Like I always complain about them all the time. They're on all these nationally televised games. Mm-hmm. They score no points. They had, what, three offensive points against the Redskins on a Thanksgiving game. I'm mm-hmm. like, sweet, can't wait to watch you guys again. <laughs> you think this is straight up an evaluation of him and them trying to figure out something to improve the offense with the last month and a half to go? Well, first I want to say I think it's important to point out, especially in that release that's on the Giants page, that they did give Eli Manning the opportunity to start and he declined. So I think that that – you know, is important to... Yeah, I wonder if there's more, like, injury, if there's if we find out more. I mean, this is one of these things where when it happens within minutes, just, you know... They're losing. Going, yeah. I was in the locker room Thanksgiving, okay, when they played the Redskins, and you heard it from the guys who cover the team, you heard it in the locker room. That was probably one of the most sad, just uh, 
crestfallen vibes that I felt. I mean, it was so heavy in there. And for the first time after that game, Eli Manning admitted, he said, it was almost like he was struggling to find the words to, you know, and Eli's so good at that. He's so, his expressions don't change either way, the way that it is. And it's it's taking its toll. I mean, I was just talking to a Giants player last night who was just saying, you know, we're we're struggling to, you know, make put put a bow on this. And and I think that that has hit Eli as well. Like guys are going to IR. Yeah. Hopefully all for IR reasons. <laughs> okay? But I mean that but that's the truth. So it's not you have limited soldiers out there now in terms of your top guys. And uh, I think that that is it's it's taking it's taking its toll. Well, you were with the team, so you know better than we do, and this has actually worked <laughs> out perfectly. So we had you scheduled to do other stuff, but, but this is a big deal. So thank you very much, yes, Justina. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, we appreciate it. That's Justina Anderson. A little bit more on Eli now being benched for the upcoming game, ending that streak of two hundred and ten. Eli Manning, yeah, not Eli Apple has not started two hundred and ten straight games. Uh, we'll finish out the show here. Will Kane, Rasilla Show, ESPN Radio. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on homeowner's insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you build a giant pillow fort in your living room. And when people ask why you have a pillow fort in your living room, you say it's for your dog. And when they ask, well, what kind? You say, "Uh, chocolate lab. And we have a web of lies that's almost as intricate as the crown molding and fort pillow. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the pillow soft fortress you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on homeowner's insurance. Eli Manning has been benched for the Giants' upcoming game at the Raiders, uh, and this was reported. You have it right there on the Giants' website, and that Geno Smith is going to start for Eli Manning, and they also said in that piece on the website that they hoped at one point get a look at Davis Webb, who they just drafted. Will Kane, The Rosillo Show, all of our phone guests join us on the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. Penzoil Synthetics taking synthetic motor oil performance to a whole new level. Make the switch to Penzoil Synthetics today. I thought when I had asked Josina who we had earlier, I go, is this just about them making sure they have a better draft slot? And she shut me down immediately. And I got to tell you, I'm actually a little surprised. Um, She likes Geno Smith a lot more than I think you or I do. Yes. To me, Ryan, the big takeaway here is, I mean, Eli Manning, is he's done. He's done with the New York Giants. Benching him now, and he's benched effectively for the rest of this season. Be That's take- the way the story reads. Now, go ahead, and I'll, I'll grab yeah, you a yeah, quote. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll be evaluating Geno Smith, and then it says essentially, eventually they will be evaluating Davis Webb as well. McAdoo says, quote, Geno will start this week. Over the last five games, we will take a look at Geno, and we will also give Davis an opportunity. That's not, hey, we'll see how Eli feels in two weeks. No. Like you're, what you just said is going to get labeled, and I hate that everybody thinks every single opinion ever now in sports is just a hot take. That's the that's not a hot take. That's the right take. Exactly. Because okay, he's on the books for one more year. 2018 at 22 million dollars cap hit next year. If you don't think the New York Giants are going to be uh drafting a quarterback with the first couple picks next year, take that for a hot take. Yeah, you think that is? No, they're going to be looking at Sam Dar- uh Sam they're going to be looking at Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen and Josh Allen if they all come out. One of those three guys will be on the New York Giants roster next year. Now, will they keep Eli around for a year to mentor him? I mean... Maybe. That's not really what happens anymore with those top picks. No. The so Mahomes what that, situation is a rarity now. And so what that tells me, by the way, Ryan, also, is on the market, 
this offseason could be guys like Eli Manning and Alex Smith for teams like the Jaguars who need a competent quarterback to get them over the hump. I would also ask you, although this is a segment we can do tomorrow, I'm just kind of everything's flying at us at once right now, would you rather have Alex Smith or Eli Manning with them both on the market? Eli Manning's going to be one of the most confusing athletes of my time. I mean, the guy's making the Hall of Fame. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, and he won't be the first Hall of Famer to be benched, but the NFL celebrates Super Bowls, and maybe they were doing it the right way. I mean, you know what? Maybe it shouldn't be the accumulation of stats. Maybe it should be Super Bowls. But he's somebody that will have a Hall of Fame ending and didn't feel like he had a Hall of Fame career. Like I don't like just stats. I don't like necessarily just saying, okay, this guy won, so we have to put him in. And you know, I don't want to get too off the rails here, but Dwight Howard, people make arguments and go, oh, Dwight Howard's a Hall of Famer. And I go, what? No. Like, oh, well, look at all the numbers. Like, man, Dwight Howard's going to be in the Hall of Fame? Okay, maybe. But, you know, I want, if you're going to be a Hall of Famer, I want it to feel like it was supposed to happen. So, Eli, at the end of his career, and I have to go back and look at this tonight, probably will for tomorrow's show. I mean, how many Hall of Famers were benched? Like, is this him saying, hey, I'm good with this? I'm not playing well enough? I mean, they struggle to score points, and it's been ugly. It's been an overlap of some of the things from last year. Uh, I can't stand watching this team play. We've had that rant over and over and over again here. But, when I watch Geno, and when it's bad, it's awful. Is that only because of the Jets? Is that only because of the lack of weapons around him? Does Geno actually have an NFL career ahead of him? Uh, Geno essentially, to, to Jocena's point earlier, Geno essentially had two seasons to make an impression on the Jets. That's 2013 and 2014. He completed less than 60% of his passes both of those years, and he came away with a QBR of 44 and 49. He's been virtually you know, inactive since then in three seasons. I mean, he had a few attempts in 2015. But that's with the Jets. How much of that is with a terrible team? What does he look like behind the Giants' offensive line? Though that's, this is not a good team either. You know, this is not, he's not being put into a situation right now where he's primed for optimal success. I just think that... As Ryan I said, Fitzpatrick had that good year in 2015, and Geno thought that was going to be his team. Right. Does it say anything about Geno if Fitzpatrick beat you out and the team never goes back to you or is Fitzpatrick fluky good enough in that year two years ago that the Jets go all right we don't want to move off of him remember you know Fitzpatrick had a pretty good year but they didn't really want to pay him I'm just wondering how many people how many people think like there's this sneaky 10-year quarterback in Geno Smith that's just been buried by ineptitude around him versus people going I can't believe Eli's getting benched for Geno Smith well the truth of the matter is I don't think Geno Smith or Davis Webb are the quarterback of the future for the New York Giants. That one's sitting in Wyoming or L.A. right now. And they're, and you know what? Also, I think you're onto something. They're doing something to ensure that they have a pick to take one of those guys. See, that's what I think this is. And Josino just flat out looked me right in the eye. I mean, for anybody who was listening, and if you missed it, she just goes, nope. This is about evaluating Geno Smith. So It's you know, a win-win situation. Evaluate these guys and decrease your chances of winning. McAdoo apparently asked Eli about it, and Eli's quote today is, McAdoo told me I could continue to start while Geno and Davis are given an opportunity to play. My feeling is that if you're going to play the other guys, play them, starting just to keep the streak going and knowing you won't finish the game and have a chance is pointless to me, and it tarnishes the streak. Like I always have, I'll be ready to play, and if and when I'm needed, I will help Geno and Davis prepare to play as well as they possibly can. You know what? That sounds a little differently than like, like, okay, so I'm not starting? Well, then I'm not. I don't want to do this. All right, more on this coming up later throughout the day on ESPN Radio.